You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. How are you, sweetie? I am great. Uh, it is kind of a, a dreary Sunday, which mm. I appreciate um, here in the East Bay of San Francisco, the San Francisco Bay Area. And it has been so hot and so mm. sunny lately that it's just been a complete turnoff. We're talking like ridiculous, like 113. Ouch. Like, right. And then like 105, just ridiculous. What is, that's insane. It is insane. And I know, I remember a conversation you and I had where you're like, that's like Arizona weather. It was like weather. Death Valley weather. Is it? And I think right. I asked you, is it, is it dry? Is it a dry heat? It's a humid and gross and muggy. Yeah, because I remember when I lived in Boston on the East Coast, shout out to the East Coast, Boston, wicked. <laughs> it was definitely muggy. And I heard from Kate that where she lives, it's muggy. Like it could be 80, but it could kind of feel in your body and in the air like it's 100. Cause it's yeah, just, just stifling wet. and wet and gross and clothes are all Tip damp. And, ugh, ugh, hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And uh, ironically, here where I live, it's foothills of mountain ranges. Mm. So somebody told us when we first moved down here that there's a temperate zone that we're living in that keeps it from being so extremely hot. You know, coastal areas like Charleston and Charlotte will get a lot more mugginess from the ocean air and sits on top. Whereas we seem to have just a couple degree more coolness and then more even, more like even days. It's still good. Trust me, it still gets into the 90s. But we, I don't think, saw in the same time that you're talking about any hundreds. But I stay mostly inside anyway to save my frail little skin. <laughs> ah, oh, yeah. I'm inside all the time. Which does not help financially with air conditioning bills. Mm-mm. Not at all. So I yes. have my naked mango smoothie next to me with what? my Miralax white powder. Isn't that mm. sexy? That's so sexy. Oh, my God. That's what 40s look like. Oh, Oh, I watched the movie, This is 40. Have you seen that? Starring Paul Rudd and Judd Apatow's wife, which Mm. I don't know her name. What's her name? Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann. And it was just all too real in terms of like. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of what you're facing? Yeah, just in terms of parenting and how to love your husband at this age. And after you've been married, we'll be married like. 14 or 15 years mm. coming up real soon. Wow. Yeah. So it was nice. It shows <laughs> that I moved 55 steps yesterday, like a full lazy, like I got to move my body so I don't get scabies kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I watched one with Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. They moved to this free love community living with a bunch of hippies. Okay. It's called Wanderlust. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't see that one. But yeah, I've heard of it's it. It's funny. Anyways, how was your weekend? Well, it's so funny you said that because I've been spending a lot of time <laughs> sitting around doing nothing also. You know, as, as, ten, <laughs> as tenure, you're senior, 
maybe I should start taking advantage of some of the things you're mentioning. But yeah, I've been very lazy, although trying very hard to be productive, but failing. At the time of this recording, I've watched Thor, then Morbius came out on Netflix. So I've been like doing a little bit of superhero deep diving on movies either I want to watch again or haven't seen before. I will tell you, I actually, because of my laziness, there's this thing called podcastguest.com. And you can go looking for venues and pods that actually are looking for people to be guests on their show. So I would scroll down the list and look to see things that I felt would fit, like for me and for the message and for their show dynamic and, and themes. And um, I just stopped. There was like three weeks. I was so stressed at work. I just I couldn't even be bothered to look. And that's how bad it was. So what I did is like, you know what? They have a membership program. Let me just go ahead and pay the yearly fee and fill out my profile and um, within that, the first email that had my face on it as like these people are looking to be guests, which was me when I was one of them, I got four podcasts looking for me or actually requested me and invited me. So I was like thrilled. And so now hopefully that parlays into other things. So by the time this episode airs, you'll be able to see me on a two hour and 40 minute podcast video. It'll be in my notes when it did come out. And that's Online Dinner Party with Mark Lee. And then I have a To Be Ruthless <gasps> podcast that should be airing by the time this airs. So yeah, I'm just uh, spreading the message and the love in different venues. So it's been keeping me busy and it's kind of been revitalizing me to, to step up my game and, and just be a little more conscious of my advocacy and as well as continuing, as we know, my third Living with Crossroads in book, which you've seen me clacking away at the keyboards when you say, are you at Starbucks? And I'm like, clickety, clackety, clackety, clackety. <laughs> yeah, so everything is is moving, but just kind of glacially at the moment, but trying to trying to heat it up a little bit and get to move faster. Speaking of trying to heat it up and move faster, first mm. of all, I literally am so proud of you for oh, all you. of your all of the action steps you're taking to make things easier and more effective when it comes to putting yourself out there and continuing your mission to being this household name. So I really appreciate that and I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank um, you. We actually have an amazing topic today. Oh Here yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so while we are recording this, we are on a bit of a hiatus. But when the folks hear this episode, we will no longer be on hiatus. Correct. So they won't really know. You all listeners, you won't feel a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I did while we're on this hiatus is I put out a meme of sorts that said, what are some obstacles that come between you and your CD life? Mm. With with a picture of Savannah, <laughs> and behind her is the obst- is a is a road and an obstacles ahead sign, and she looks very nervous. You look very nervous standing there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have it up right. That. I have it up right now, and I will tell you this: and it has a hashtag. Let's discuss. But when you posted that, I was like, where did you get this? And it then took me like a minute because you had imaged out the background. Oh, yeah. That was when I went to Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was definitely a surprise. You you hit me with a surprise on that one. 
it's a great conversation. It's a great question to ask. Absolutely. It is. It is because for so many cross-dressing individuals, there are so many different types of obstacles mm-hmm. that can hinder your ability to step out as your femme self as much as you'd like to. So I was really pleased we got off a whole smorgasbord of different <laughs> comments. And yes. I'd love for us to highlight some of the beautiful listeners. Let me say thank you so much to all of you that participated mm-hmm. in this read. We will do our best to read all the comments. And hopefully last time we had an episode where we read different comments. I had a listener tell us they almost drove off the road when they heard their name. So let's just, you know, safety warning, just your name. If you participated in this, it's very likely we will read your comment. If not, I apologize. We loved everything you had to say. It's so funny you say that because uh, I don't know if this person who reached out to me was the same person reached out to you because they didn't say about driving off the road, but they did say they're in the office. And when we had read their comment on that previous episode, they got like super excited at their desk and kind of like got all that weird nervous energy of like unable to contain themselves. And um, I thought that was freaking amazing. Oh, yes. That was a different listener. Okay. <laughs> so, right. It, because I kind of manage the the Instagram, I get to see more feedback than you. Yes. But there has been a couple listeners mm-hmm. that have reactions to us kind of surprising them with their name. So, yeah. be safe. And yes. to <laughs> to this episode if you participated. Warning. Your name may be mentioned in this episode. Please refrain from joining. <laughs> yeah. Warning, please be advised you may hear your name on this episode. Please do not operate heavy machinery while doing so. Thank you. So the first comment that I'd like to read, that was cute. Thank you. Is by Freedom Monica. And Mm. she says, my biggest obstacle lately is confidence. I have a wonderful girlfriends who give me lots of encouragement and compliments, but I just don't like who I see in the mirror or pictures. I need to lose 20 to 25 pounds so I look better in my own eyes. I see my man belly, my fat chin, and just don't have the desire to get dressed and go out like I used to. I love food too much to starve myself, to lose weight, and my job is so stressful and time-consuming that working out just isn't for me. So I'm stuck in a pattern of wanting to look better but not being willing or able to make it happen. Bottom line is I've lost confidence. Mm. I know for a fact that this speaks to many of you, including Miss Savannah Hawk. Oh, you know, yes, it does. (laughs) Right. I mean, not to like totally throw you under the bus, but you and I have had discussions on air Mm -hmm. as well as in private about what a delicate tango it is between your confidence and not wanting to do the things, you know, work because- Some of them are not enjoyable. Some of Mm -hmm. them like going to the gym may or may not be a part of your lifestyle by choice. You know, eating certain foods that bring you joy may give you certain parts of your body to expand, you know, to not fit in certain sizes. But I think that it's something is up for so many women. What do you have to say about that? Well, yeah, you definitely nailed it. You know, again, we've had conversations where I went weeks without dressing a lot of it i don't don't want to say is confidence it was just disinterest for me Mm. but in the regard of freedom monica i will say absolutely there's been times where i've looked in america because of my stress eating my fried foods and my 
fast foods and watching my belly blossom versus all the other areas I would love to blossom. And that way, it's like, it ain't going to my ass, people. It's going to my belly. So in that regard, yeah, I've seen it. I've experienced this. And it's been, like Frida Monica said, I know I need to make changes in order to feel better about this condition that I'm looking at. But yet there is not that desire, passion, or drive to do those things in order to elicit that change. Because we all know you put on 10 pounds, it didn't happen overnight, and it's not going to be overnight to get rid of it either. So for me, I've kind of looked at my waistline. I've looked at the dresses I've I've been wearing and been constantly reminded how I felt about myself. You know, where was that 180 pound me? And now I'm like, you know, 210. It's demoralizing for sure. And of course, it's going to make you very self-conscious. It's made me very self-conscious to be out in the world that way. But as the time went on and I settled into this newness of, of who I am and how I look, knowing that I could better myself, Absolutely. I know that's still part of the path I need to get myself on, but I didn't want to continue to not be me, to not be Savannah, to not go out in the world. So I kind of took a couple pages out of your playbook, Julia Robinstein from foxandhanger.com. Is that start wearing, you know, start wearing those clothes that are going to be more attractive and more fitting to now this new body shape that you might have temporarily or or permanently, whatever it might be. And just be confident in that I'm doing the best I can. And instead of trying to squeeze into that same outfit that I love so much six, eight months ago, maybe my buy a new dress and find like the nice A-line with that kind of empire waist that can, you know, hide some of our defects that we feel we're self-conscious about and go ahead and and still enjoy the person we are without being so self-conscious and losing confidence. So what do you have to say about, about the fashion component of it? Well, what I have to say is I think that before I get too far down the fashion piece of it, I just want to quickly mention that this kind of feeling of not feeling confident because you're changing body, you know, you know what it is you have to do, but you're just not willing to do it. And then there's the time component. And there's so there's so much that goes into, especially as we age, there's a hormonal component for many women. But what I want to say is this comment really speaks to most women out there, Mm -hmm. this feeling. And I I think for male to female individuals, especially there's this pressure they feel to quote, get it right. There's a mastery that I think that when you're born a biological male, this mastery and this pressure to do the best and be the best at it is really much more intense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But something that hopefully everyone as crossdressers can take from the page of lots of cis female women is the fact that there's an acceptance. There's an acceptance that has to take place before. And that denial bit of if I I'm not going to buy any more clothes until I fit into this clothes or there's an acceptance and there's a letting go and there's a knowing thyself as you are now. Once you do that, you're able to reach out to services like foxandhanger.com. You're able to figure out what shapes and cuts and colors works best for you for the body you have now and how to make yourself look slimmer. And I'm talking 10 to 15 pounds slimmer just based on shapes and Mm -hmm. cuts and knowing where to place that waistband. 
Maybe it's just a matter of raising it just two and a half inches up. Maybe it's a matter of getting that new bra. Whatever it is that you have to shift, it involves loving yourself as you are now Mm -hmm. and accepting that, okay, maybe there are things that I can do to make myself feel healthier, right? right? Right. You can add more water, skip the fast food a couple of times, but beating yourself up for the kind of changing of your body, the fact that your metabolism has slowed down as you age, it just does. Suddenly things that you loved that used to fit like a glove, suddenly they feel baggy and mm-hmm. weird. And now, now what do I do? Add about right. it. It all comes from accepting yourself. And I really, my heart goes out to everyone who's facing this comment or everyone who can relate to this comment rather, because right. it's a, it's a struggle and it's, it involves organization. It can involve letting go of certain things, but mostly it involves acceptance. I think that's number one is acceptance of the now that doesn't preclude making yourself better for the future. But I hate, I would hate to see anybody lose confidence. I'd hate to see somebody deny themselves of their feminine experience as a result. So, you know, I don't want somebody to be like, oh my God, I look terrible today. So, and then all of a sudden you lose two years of your life because you just hate how you look. There is a matter of self-acceptance. There's a matter of rebuilding that confidence And then again, slowly over time, you can make those little tweaks, like one tweak, let's say, and say, okay, no more soda, or I'll double up on the water. And you just do a couple things and you're going to start finding you're going to lose that weight again, maybe a little, or maybe you have to adjust that too, to add a a walk-in or take the dogs out for a longer run. Just little things that can adjust it to get you back to possibly back to where you were, because again, hormonally, metabolism, those all change throughout our entire life. And I've had to adjust to, <laughs> I've had to adjust to the, the COVID weight Savannah uh, with my extra, extra waddle on the chin and a little, you know, beerness in the belly, but I don't drink beer, but just got that barrel to it. Just those type of things. Like, I don't want us to miss out on life because we sit and we look and we find a reason not to love ourselves. Right. We could do a whole, you know, episode on this topic. So mm-hmm. thank you so much, Freedom Aka, for bringing this to our attention. It is definitely something that takes self-love, understanding to find that confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you. That's awesome. I will go next. And mine says, this is from Sparkle is Loved, who says, honestly, the fear that as an adopted kid, I was never good enough for my uber successful family still lingers, always in the back of my mind. I've known I was by since I was 12, but back in the 80s, this was not something you shared. So those two things, as well as the stigma attached to cross-dressing, really hinder me living my best life. So in this one, if I want to unpack this, you have expectations that you fear you won't meet. You have sexuality that you dare not share for fear of invalidation by those same people. And in addition, or attached to that is the stigma. So being bi and being a crossdresser and the expectation or invalidation you fear may happen to you, Sparkle is loved is contending with. I hear you. (laughs) I hear you. Because I can't tell you, I just was on um, the one podcast appearance and what Mark had mentioned was, well, you know, what was it like, you know, with your parents? I'm like, oh, my parents are in their 80s and they still don't know, nor will I ever tell them. 
is my family uber successful? No. Do the, is there this high mark of excellence put upon me? No, just like we want you to go to college and be the best you can be and don't be like us. Well, that all being said, that didn't change the fact I want so much of my parents' approval yeah. that I would almost never want to say this because I know exactly how they feel about people in the LGBTQIA plus community. And if I were to, to say this to them now and say, hey, this is Savannah, look at all the stuff she's doing to be an advocate and be a help to people, that probably would instantly put me right on a black sheep list and never speak to them again. Otherwise, though, I don't use that as a reason not to be Savannah, but I just don't go out of my way to share in that way. Yeah. Sparkle is loved. You are so loved. <laughs> and she is sparkly. So, so sparkly. Toads. <laughs> so I have deep, deep wounds when it comes to my biological family accepting me and feeling like an outsider for many reasons. I can only imagine and I can't imagine how it must feel to be adopted and have that perspective when it comes mm -hmm. to feeling othered. Now, the only people that can fully know that feeling is perhaps other cross-dressers or dual gender individuals, however you identify listeners here who are also adopted, who share the same feeling of feeling othered, feeling different feeling like no matter what you do, because there's that biological component that no matter what, these are these parents ch chose you. This was the sole connection. You were supposed to be in your family's life in this way. But there's also that feeling that I can't speak to of not having your mother carried you. The family that you were born into is not this family you speak of. So I think that this comment comes with a lot of compassion on both our ends. But in general, when you are raised in a family where the siblings are pitted against each other, where for some reason your parents can't love you the way you need to be loved, that is traumatic. And as you grow up and become an adult, it is our karma to learn how to parent ourselves. And there was this quote, basically, you parent yourselves the way you were parented until you don't. Mm. And so there's this internal mother and father that is that kind of devil that says all these harmful things. You're not enough. You'll never fit. You're bisexual. We don't accept that. And then you can realize at some point, have this awakening perhaps, and realize I can choose to parent myself differently. And basically what that is, is continuously being in loving battle with that other side. And whenever that non-loving side comes in and tries to attack you and tries to convince you that you are not worthy of love and belonging, it is your job to say, stop. Or my therapist told me to say words. For some reason, words seem to just stop that voice for me. And just insert the most loving parental advice that you never received. Give your inner child, that adopted bisexual child, that love, that adult parenting person and spirit that is in desperate need of that boost because you are so worthy of love and belonging so worthy of constant repair and rebuilding from a cellular level in your being. So just 
try to remember that every time you feel less than, every time you feel shamed, every time you feel like you're fighting for their approval still, especially if you have siblings that are labeled as beyond perfect. Mm. That is a hamster wheel. It's like a hamster wheel where unless you you get off of it, it will continue to penetrate your soul in a really, really harmful way. So just know that you are capable of loving. I know you. I know this person personally, and I know what a loving and kind and empathetic person they are. And most of it comes from the trauma and not being seen as enough and being told you're not enough. It gives individual survivors of this kind of parental trauma, the ability to have this empathy and this compassion that is like no other. So if we as a collective can just turn that compassion and that mirror towards ourselves, we are healed. Mm, That's so true. Um, and, And unfortunately, it's such a difficult thing to do. Basically, you echo your parents in your internal dialogues with your own inner child until you don't, until you realize that you're not a slave to that, until you're not beholden to somebody else's expectations. At the end of the day, we should be only beholden to our own expectations because we are the ones who have to live with what we are doing. And we are the ones who want to live a full life and be productive and happy. And so many times, and again, even non-CD related, so many times we spend an exorbitant amount of energy pleasing other people. And I mean, yes, okay. If you have to work at a job and you have to get your projects done, of course, if there's things that are event-driven, of course, you should do your best. But to actually worry about this mythical validation and love of expectation of parents, that is a tough, that is a tough wave to crest and to ride and to get out of. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. We're not saying it's easy, but, you know, loving thyself and having confidence in self and having the ability to see yourself as the best person and as a happy person, as a well-adjusted person that speaks volumes. And if other people don't see it or don't accept it, you know, that's on them. That's not on you, but again, easier said than done. Right. So, you know, we, we know that people spend years working through these things in therapy or with just meditation and spiritualism, you know, it's not something we can do overnight. It's just something we have to practice. And before we get off this particular comment, I just want to say to that internal 12 year old bisexual that was 12 in the eighties, your bisexuality is beautiful and you are so, so loved. So the next listener that commented was from katie.d.nyc. And this goes really well with the sparkle is loved. She says, acceptance in general. I'm lucky enough to have a very understanding wife, but I basically have to hide it from every other person in my life. Kind of wish I didn't have to, which we both understand. Mm -hmm. Is a thing. Mm -hmm. Is a thing. (laughs) That's so tough. That's such a tough road. And it's almost even worse. And, and I'll tell you why. It's like to have the person in your life that is so your partner is like your anchor and your bedrock and able to be there for you and, and cheer you on. 
And then you like kind of you walk out your door, let's say, you know, metaphorically, and like, I'm taking on the world. I got my my biggest ally behind me, you know, rooting me on. And then you, then you go out and you're facing a den of lions. It is tough. It is difficult to say, hey, we're all good and just carry that confidence and that support of your loved one and not let it erode once you're out in, in the reality of the world. Because we know how people are. We know how depending on where you are in the world or in the country, liberal, conservative, religious, you know, urban, rural, small town, big town, everybody's got different kind of dynamics they have to contend with. Like you can lose yourself in a big city, but maybe there's only 1,200 people in a small town. And if they know you or notice you, all of a sudden it's wildfire, whereas a big city, nobody's paying attention to anything anybody's doing. Uh, anybody's, uh, you know, has to say they're all on their phones. But to have the acceptance of your loved one is an absolute blessing. Absolutely. But yeah, to take it on to the world, it's kind of on you. It's on you as that adult that does not feel the shame of self to let other people enhance or intensify that feeling. A lot of us who have fear and shame and feel invalidated that feeling, it becomes a paranoia. And then every little thing we see in other people's perception or how they react to us just kind of like takes that over the top all the time. And it is something we have to learn that our, that we, that the confidence we have in self is the best confidence we can take with us. Here, here. You know, I, I want to say that, you know, just go on out there, be yourself. You have your person, but get on out there, you know, and just share your truth because it's beautiful. But when it comes to awareness and safety and reality, you get to understand your family's limitations. And I guess as much as this feels weird coming out of my mouth, loving and accepting them at a certain point. When it comes to your coworkers, based on what they've said, based on what they haven't said, you grow to accept their limitations and you create an energetic database, a laundry list of reasons over time why they're not able to accept this about you. It's hard to accept. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense. This is a part of who you are, a beautiful, creative part of who you are. But not everyone comes with the same experience as you do. Not everyone is willing to go on the journey or able to, for that matter. So it is very sad. And it is something I wish I had a magic wand katie.d.nyc, I really do, that I could just make this so that it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. But it is true and just sucks. It does. But I mean, that's why we're here, right? To, well, enjoy each other's company, you and I, but also to demystify the cross-dressing experience, right? That's what we're here to do. And, you know, eventually, and again, I say it all the time, this next generation who has grown up with a vernacular of gender diversity and of cross-dressing and transness and non-binaryness and pronouns that best suit who they are. Unfortunately, it may be too late for me, but I love the fact that I can commune with people who celebrate and who love and who validate the person I am. And in terms of confidence and people understanding, 
especially the people close to you in your life, I want to make this statement. You know, I've spent many years not sharing with anybody for fear of how they would react. And then as time went on and I kind of became more confident in who I am, I was so happy with who I am. I wanted to share, but I shared with certain people that coworkers or friends or some people in the family who I pretty much knew they would be okay. Not necessarily those who I know were adamantly against this type of things in general. Of course, I probably would stay away from sharing with them. Be cautious of why you aren't sharing, because is it a matter of knowledge of their demeanor and how you know they would react? Or is it just the fear that they may not react the way you think? And when you have your, your partner as like your biggest advocate and ally, that's a conversation to have with them and say, hey, you know, do you think we could speak to so-and-so about this? Just have a conversation. Maybe you can widen your circle a little bit and not live in like, well, I can't even leave the garage for fear that the neighbor will see me. You know, I lived in fear of not having a garage and have to run down when the coast is clear so nobody would notice in case they peeked out the window, you know, slid across that curtain and said, oh, who's that person? But now I'm just like, you know what? If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. I, I don't really worry about how you feel about it. But to Katie's point, these are the people that she says have to hide it from every other person in my life. So in my life, I kind of take it as like those closest to her. So yeah, it's it's a tough decision, but maybe it's a conversation you and your wife or your partner can have. And maybe again, maybe you can make little subtle changes. You know, one person is one person more and all of a sudden your circle can grow. Interesting concept. Uh, we definitely understand the angst of like that, that supposed invalidation, especially with the people who are closest to you. Take it one step at a time, one day at a time and see what comes of it. So, and I, I have to say this, because Jeff Stewart 42 said, I was thinking of sending that exact uh, same message on the same subject. So uh, we'll, we'll give uh, Jeff a piggyback on what Katie said, just, just because, just because we want to make sure they say it. I'm going to go forward with Claire Flair, 16, with a very, very specific measurement of that their height is six foot, two inches. And so I'm going to say to that, because I've heard this in many different ways. There was a woman in Australia I was uh, talking to five, six years ago, who was so fearful going out because they were like six, four without heels. And they felt that if they put on the heels that they wanted to put on, all of a sudden they'd be like six, eight and towering over everybody and become almost like a, a sideshow of like everybody turning and staring at this super tall person. Whether it was like, oh my God, that's a man in a dress or like, oh my God, look at that really tall woman. It kind of equated to the same fear of being gawked at. So I will say to Claire Flair, 16, is that that person I spoke to from Australia is now a very active part of their community. Um, they did transition or they are you know, uh, moving towards that, but they are out at work. They live life full time and they love life the way they are. And they have not used the social acceptability of height to deter them from living their best life. Because there's many cis women who are crazy tall. Mm. It's not unheard of. Yes, six two, you would notice, especially if you want to wear five-inch platform heels, that's going to make all the difference too. But you shouldn't also hide the fact that that's what you want to do. You shouldn't sit there and say, well, I have to wear ballet slippers because I don't want anybody to notice I'm taller than I am. In this case, the drag communities really got their finger on the pulse of this. 
is they go, they lean into all of that. They go ahead and say, you know what? I'm fabulous and glittery and I'm going to just go to work and be as amazing and fabulous and glittery as humanly possible because that's just me and that's who I want to be. I always say it doesn't matter your shape, your size, your height, your weight, the width of your shoulders, how your physical physique is in terms of what society has deemed appropriate for women, because we know that's just a bullshit scale that even women are pissed off about that they're slave to most times. Be you, be the best you. I know I need to take my own advice about my own weight, which I slowly have. Don't be deterred by a little bit of paunch in the belly. But yeah, I always want to go with like, your body is beautiful and you are beautiful as you are. So to say that I can't go out because people will notice me, I understand if you're trying to blend in and, and be passable. I mean, we don't know necessarily if she was just seated at a table that people would notice because her height wouldn't be engaged that, at that point. But yeah, sometimes you just got to lean in to say, I am tall. I am statuesque. I do have long legs and just be confident and love yourself. Yeah, it's it becomes so such a challenge with yourself. You know, you have this height. I think for a lot of cross-dressers or, you know, trans women, the desire to fit the mold, so to speak, the desire to look appropriate, to not stand out, to blend, to not get clocked. It becomes challenging when you're way taller than many women. For really tall women, for people who have been 5'8 since they were in fifth grade, it is extremely challenging. And I know a lot of people who are petite, you know, have, have struggled, but I think for women, especially who are taller than many men as they grow up, it makes you different. It can expose you. But I do think that your advice to kind of lean into it is really beautiful. And just know, I believe that everyone has something about themselves that if they had a magic wand, they would probably change. Mm -hmm. And I, I know I've said this before on this episode, the word karma, our karma is to enter this world with all of our cards and all of our body parts and all of our different odors and tones and notes and, and traumas and just try to figure out how to love ourselves the best we can. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you say odors? Just just want to say that's the only thing I heard of that entire list was odors. <laughs> <laughs> Again, social acceptability should not be the limiting factor of cross-dressing male to female people. Every cis woman is, like I said, dealing with the same thing in some manner, shape, or form. So yeah, lean into it, be the best person you can be, and it's all going to be good. We keep kind of recurring theme this, which is if you have confidence in yourself and you strut into a place versus step cautiously into a place, that in and of itself, it makes all the difference. I agree. Yeah. Own it. Own it. So the next one is from Star Gemina. Sorry, I was cut off with my daughter, and that is maybe my biggest problems. How to handle my femme side away from my daughters. My wife knows a little about Star, but not all stuff. I have come to the conclusion that I need to tell my daughters about Star. My oldest asked my wife why I was so much away when I was at Stockholm Pride. They are almost 15 and 18 years old. How can I introduce them to Star and how should I handle my wife that is not so interested in Star? That is a really complex topic, especially when children are involved. Teenagers, early childhood age, 
I think that it is a conversation that Savannah and I would love to have additional feedback for listeners that have a similar situation to Star who are at a different point than where Star is. This is a discussion that we've been wanting to have for a while, dear listeners. We want to shout from the rooftops a a call to action when it comes to broaching this subject with your children, because it has a variety of different stakes when it comes to when it is appropriate. It, It can have major effects, minor effects, Some teenagers say, you know, it's not really a big deal. The other could say, you know, I knew it. The other could say, I can't look at you. What do you think, Savannah? Well. (laughs) 15 and 18. Yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm going to preface this by saying only you as parents know how you have raised your children. How did you raise your kids to be? Yes, I know that your teachings does not necessarily dictate how they're going to react to what you have to say on this specific front. Um, I will say that a 15 and 18 year old are way more worldly than you and I, uh, Joey, were at that age. I mean, I was still trying to figure out my own shit at 15 and 18, let alone be told something. But I always kind of felt as a young person that I wasn't really about what other people had going on. It was like, if you told me you were this or that and the other thing, I'm like, okay. But again, that's as somebody outside of family, they're not my children. And as somebody without children, it's not something I really have a lot of input on or familiarity. I mean, for me, the only thing I can tell you is that I was with a previous girlfriend who took guardianship of her granddaughter. In that situation, me and my partner were not all that, I mean, she knew, she knew from day one, but by that time, she really, it was kind of like a don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, I'll support you and let you do what you want, but I really don't want to be involved. I don't want to hear about it. So she took guardianship of a three-year-old granddaughter. As a result, I was forced to not ever be Savannah in the house again, because she did not want her granddaughter to be exposed to somebody like me. So that shows you what she felt that my partner felt about me, let alone how she wanted her grandchild to see me. I had to start going to friends' houses to get ready to be Savannah, go out someplace. And that took a strain on the relationship as well, obviously. For me, it was like, well, why wouldn't you tell? Why wouldn't you start off with that kind of truth to a child that this is just another part of life? But my partner was worried, like, what would this little girl say? Who would she say it to? Because she herself was not ready to have that secret shared with others. So, you know, you have a three-year-old, they say all sorts of things that you didn't want them to say because they don't know how to filter. Even if you told them, hey, don't tell anybody about what, you know, grandpa's doing. You know, they, will. they yeah, will. Yeah, they will. And, yeah. and you, yeah. And I, and I understand that is definitely a huge component of trying to keep it wrangled. So when you have a, not unsupportive, but just somebody who, who as a partner is not really willing to step up and be your greatest advocate, it can be difficult because then you have parenting structures that are one person wants to do something, the other person isn't on board and that can cause tension. Well, is this good? Not good? I mean, even if the kids feel it's like, okay, all right, dad, cool. That's awesome that you do that. Let me see a picture. And if the mom is really kind of hinky about it, that can cause more tension in the family dynamic. So it really is something you have to have a conversation with your partner to say, this is what I'd like to do. How do you feel about it? And then you, you you both abide by the outcome of the decision. But I'm always for sharing, as you know, episode 101 and two, where Judy talked about 
telling her daughters and the reaction, of course, they're grown, you know, they're like 20s, 30s. So obviously it's a huge difference, but they were like, well, why wouldn't you have told us? It was like, why you didn't think we were going to be cool about it? It's like, why was this a big deal for? But when it's your own children, it can be sketchy. It can be difficult. It can be unpredictable. But again, as you said, Julie, I would welcome comments from other listeners who have done it. How did they do it? What was the outcome? You know, how best to do it? Every way is different, but I'm sure there's some guidelines that would be very good for our listeners to hear. Right. So I have a 10 and a half year old daughter. Actually, she's older than that. She will be 11 in October. What? what? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was listening to an episode the other day where I was telling you that she's eight. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. So through the work that I do, And through just the person I am as mom versus who my husband is as more conservative and kind of leaning towards me for all the realities when it comes to queer culture and hard topics or topics where there may be questions about or topics rather that something might happen on the news, for example, and I want to shelter my daughter from it. But now I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, here's the choice I have. Do I want someone on the playground to tell them their version or do I want to tell my daughter ahead of it, my version or my understanding or my truth or my my way of explaining it so that there's questions, there's dialogues, there's room for me to say, I don't know. Let me try to figure out and get some information and, and let you know or simply saying, I don't know. That's a really great question. I think when it comes to having daughters that are 15 and 18, that is a really really important age when it comes to getting to know your parents and getting to have the conversations that need to be had in terms of how your parents grew up, in terms of different things about your parents. These kids can handle it at 15 and 18. Now, on the contrary, this is also a time where teenagers cut themselves off from their parents. They break away. They do the developmentally appropriate thing where their friends or their chosen family or their friend's mother becomes the most important people in their world. And they kind of shut you out. There's another bit of it that I'm going to say is when you have a mother, so when these girls have a mother, your wife, that is not comfortable with it, who might have tried to shun you about it or doesn't want to talk about it or don't ask, don't tell about it. That puts you at a disadvantage when it comes to the conversation. If I give one bit of advice, it would be to sit down with your wife and say, you know, I want to have this conversation with them. I want to let them know about STAR, but I want to talk with you about it. I want you to be involved in that discussion and I want to have my back. Would you be willing to go on that journey with me. And if she's not, there are outside help that you can get to have this discussion. There's meditation, there's listening to podcasts where we're having this discussion, reaching out to others, because it is your right as their father to have this honest discussion. They're 15 and 18. They're going to be out of the house really, really soon. It is not appropriate for you to hide any of this from them anymore, I believe. So it gets to be complicated and star, you are not the only person that voiced this as a huge obstacle when it comes to their CD life. 
it is something Savannah and I want to hold in a loving space with some white gloves on because we do not think that this is an easy discussion to have that is just as simple as saying, you know, you got this, you know your kids, but do you? Especially when for a cross-dresser, your job is safety. Your job is being closeted. Your job is to protect yourself at all accounts because if anyone knew, your world would explode. Now, getting past all that I just said and figuring out, okay, I'm grounded. I have these two daughters that are teenagers. How can I kind of sift through my preconceived trauma about my cross-dressing and how do I get to some level of respect and understanding? It's a complicated situation. I really appreciate, we both really appreciate you bringing it to our attention. Yeah. And we wish we had more concise advice to give you, but because every familial dynamic is so different and every personality is so different and every ally or tolerant or accepting or unaccepting member of the family is different. You know, we can't really give you the five perfect steps to get it done, but we do thank you for sharing with us. Julie, 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 I love you to death, but we have so many more comments that we need to get through and the sun's going down. It really (laughs) is. And we want to make sure that all of the participants are heard. So yeah, we don't want anyone to be left out. So I think that we should wrap this up and come back next week and just hit it hard. There's so many great comments that we had that we've read through, you know, off air to prepare for this. And yeah, I definitely want to make sure everybody's comments are heard and we can react to it and just give it its due. So yeah, absolutely. I agree. So let's do that. Let's do the thing. All right. Bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing, and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses anchor copyright 2022 yes nailed it if you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us please share with your friends tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening give it a five-star rating or leave a review and for show ideas or comments contact us through the podcast on facebook at fox and phoenix podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix podcast underscore.